Welcome to this week's episode of Pour Another Round, where we're here to discover and share the stories behind the breweries filling up your glass. We've got Johnny and Kurt from Shell's Brewery and Grain Belt in New Ulm, Minnesota. We've had some other historical breweries on before, and I always love hearing the stories that span over a century uh, when it comes to breweries. Me too, because the longer the brewery has been around, the longer they've had to perfect their beer. Plenty of new breweries have great beer, but there's something to be said about a brewery started by a guy who came to America and started a brewery straight from the homeland of beer. And the cool thing about Shells is that they stay true to their brewing roots, but they also are starting to dabble in some fun new beers and trendy stuff as well. We get into some fun banter about prohibition and the responsibilities of each of our respective states, Minnesota versus Wisconsin. It's like there's already a rivalry there, so why not keep it going when it comes to beer? <laughs> Weird. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> and uh, Shells obviously have, have survived prohibition, and they're now the second oldest family-owned brewery in the country. Not bad company to be in. The same category as Yingling. So grab yourself a historic beer and enjoy our conversation with Shells Brewery and Grain Belt from New Ulm, Minnesota. Cheers. Cheers to our sponsors. A brewery and hotel in one? Sounds like my dream. Well, you're in luck. In Mineral Point, Wisconsin, you'll find just that. Commerce Street Brewery and Hotel is a historic 1800s landmark where you'll experience their European-style pub while imbibing on craft beer brewed right on site, craft cocktails, or wine. Then retire just up the stairs in one of five luxurious guest rooms complete with oversized whirlpool tubs and fireplaces. Well, now, if that isn't romantic. (laughs) Yes, it is. My wife and I recently stayed at Commerce Street Brewery and Hotel, and it was amazingly relaxing to take some strolls through the quaint town of Mineral Point and then just chill for the evening in the pub before heading upstairs to their comfortable beds. Was it more romantic drinking their beer or staying with your wife? I'm going to play the fifth. Fair enough. Uh, We also have a discount code for you, whether you want to stay with your significant other or drink their beer, uh, just for our listeners here. Head to commercestreethotel.com, click check availability, and enter the promotional code BEERME, no spaces, for 10% off your next stay, and your first round of beers is on the house. I'm Cameron. And I'm Jonathan. We We like like beer. beer. We're a podcast by beer lovers, for beer lovers, and with beer creators. Some of our best stories start with beer. Now it's time to make beer the story. Each hoppy pour has been on an often unexpected journey to become the brews you love. So pour another round and drink with us as we explore the stories behind your favorite beers and breweries. And if you like beer, like breweries, like some bad jokes and great puns, And like this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you can learn about all of our upcoming breweries we have on tap. Today we're here with Johnny and Kurt from Historic Shells Brewing from New Ulm, Minnesota. So guys, thanks so much for being us being with us here on Port Another Round today. Definitely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Which one of you is in the the Hawaiian looking shirt? Kurt. That's Kurt. I'm Kurt. Kurt and Johnny. All right. So I think uh, before we really get into, eh, you know what, let's get into who you who you both are, and then we'll dive into the, the history of shells. So, uh, Johnny, your your name's on the the computer screen. So I guess you you start out with who are you and uh, what's your like brewery beer background? Sure. Well, I uh, I'm the marketing coordinator at Shells here, and I started in December, and uh, my background was not in uh, the beer industry, so I've been learning a lot on the fly and everything, and it's. <laughs> 
Just, the best uh, way to do it. To do it here in the second oldest family-owned brewery in the country. So, I mean, there's a lot of knowledge around the brewery here, um, from everyone in production to the visitor center, and then of course the Marty family. So, um, it's been really where I've been able to jump in and get going and um, really learn about different types of beer. I, I've been a grain belt drinker um, since I could be of legal age, we'll say. There and you go. <laughs> Love it. Jonathan has the premium that he's drinking today because that was always my go-to beer, still is. But um, just uh, coming to Shells has been really awesome and a great learning experience. And it's been really fun posting to social media that's a large portion of my job so i run the instagram and facebook and twitter and we just started a tiktok too so you'll have to check some of those videos out we tend to throw some costumes out there and kind of be a little edgy on there so <laughs> and then uh we're actually getting a podcast started here too so oh, it's cool. fun that we get to join you guys for one here is has your podcast launched yet it hasn't it's going to be launching either today or early next week do you want to give a little plug of what it's called and where, what, what's going on there with it? So uh, our Shells podcast is called Shell Me More. So spelled S-C-H-E-L-L, just like Shells Brewery. So uh, that one's going to be focused, obviously, on the Shells brand and uh, kind of have some employees on it and uh, just people involved with uh, the community and uh, the, the Shells brand. And then the Grain Belt one is the Big Friendly podcast. So, uh, playing off the big friend view for the tall boys. So, uh, that one is launching next week. So, um, yeah, check them out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Sounds good. We'll have to definitely check that out. Uh, so, so Johnny, before you were marketing beer, what, what industry were you marketing before this? I was actually working in city government up in the Twin Cities area. So I worked for the city of Eden Prairie. Beer's way, way more enjoyable. I see yeah, why you jumped to beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get to follow a passion of mine. <laughs> so uh, when I was up in the cities, I used to like go into craft breweries. And whenever I get up there still, I, I moved to New Ulm in July. So I'm originally from St. Paul. But um, yeah, just going to all the breweries up there was really fun for me. And like now we have the Beer Holla here, which is... Uh, somewhere where we get to have a nice gathering space with people. So it's fun to be able to have that at Shells, that community aspect. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Kurt, who the heck are you? Yeah, so I think I'll just preface with Johnny and I kind of followed various paths. We're two of the newest guys in the family. So he's been here probably a month more than me. So I'm about four months in, and they're letting us have the reins to telling you all about the 160 years behind us. So well, um, hold on. Are they are they letting you have the rain, or they're like these poor other round guys? No clue. You two just newbies. Go hang out with them for a while. <laughs> no, no, yeah, they, uh, they have some confidence in us. I think we can. We've learned enough from the family and what we what we can do. And, um, yeah, I think I think they they. They have some confidence in what we can bring to the table. So awesome. Well, uh, I, I definitely have a lot of I definitely have a lot of historic questions here. So, well, I guess maybe we'll have to put you to the test. <laughs> oh yeah, then. I got I got all the cliff notes. Don't worry, guys. Um, there we go. <laughs> Johnny, uh, previously, I came from city government too, but I'll get into that. So, my name is Kurt Van Assen. I'm the general manager of the visitor center. So, I handle everything on the front of house, whether it be events, um, social gatherings, events, rentals, um, kind of that community minded thing. We have. Uh, a beer hall that opened just last year. It's um, it'll be a year next weekend, so that's exciting for us. Um, we have our lower tap room. We do tours and tastings down there for private events, and all of, starting this weekend, we do a tour a couple times a day, every single day of the wow. week. We're kind of getting into our hours, 
I actually ran up here from the beer garden. Uh, we opened that today. So that's our outdoor space that we have on campus. Um, so we have pretty much three service locations on campus that you can enjoy our product in, as well as a gift shop and a museum um, that is shells that you can come. And then we also, under our umbrella in New Ulm, on the other side of town, we have our Star Keller facility, which is our sour facility that's um, its own branding, but it falls underneath that uh, that shells umbrella at the same point, too. So uh, in charge of all of that stuff, the moving pieces and all the equipment and people that run through those doors, as well as being that kind of uh, community-face-minded person of local events and festivals and things like that, Johnny and I kind of try to be out there a bunch with a bunch of things going on in town uh, with spearheading that. And then obviously the family's super involved with all that too, but um, they're a few of them are trying to step away finally after being in it years and years and years. So they're trying to find the right people to do it. So Johnny and I are here explaining kind of what we do, who we are and, and where we came from. But, uh, before that, I guess to preface your question um, in the beer industry. So I actually was with Mankato brewery for about six years. So they're located in North Mankato, Minnesota. So when I started there, they were the 36th brewery in the state. And when I left, there was 187 breweries or something. <laughs> so I th- I survived that that craft beer boom in Minnesota. Uh, so that was kind of fun to be uh, a part of that. So I come with a wealth of knowledge. I was the taproom events and marketing manager um, for that location. Um, and then Following Johnny's footsteps, I was in uh, government as well for a few years. I was with the city of Mankato uh, running the events for the Civic Center and uh, the big amphitheater they have in town there. So I'm used to lots of people, lots of beer movements, and uh, it's nice to kind of come to something like this. And um, you know, instead of dealing with 5,000 people at a time, you can kind of have a more intimate relationship and, uh, and have that conversation about beer versus just getting people through the line. So it's been a nice a nice uh, reduction in stress and uh, a nice uh, reset in my professional career at the same point too. So. And even if you're stress having a stressful day, just crack a beer open and all is well. Hey, we got you. We, we already started, guys. Cheers Hello. to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so great to have you guys here on Pour Another Round. So uh, we obviously have like 200 years or so of history to, to get through with shells. So uh, now that we are up to speed on who you are, let's jump way back to the beginning and talk about uh you know august shell who he was and you know born over in germany so give us your your best uh, cliff notes as you say uh explanation of august shell and and go from there yeah so we'll give you guys like the thirty thousand foot view and um, we'll try to keep it to about five six minutes maybe <laughs> um years to get through still so have to bear bear with us so um, I'll kind of run through this with you. If you guys want to stop me at any time, time and ask us a specific question about a time in history, um, but there's going to be a lot of information, a lot of names, and a lot of stuff that we're going to throw at you. We're going to go through six generations and 160 years. So here it comes, fast and furious. <laughs> Bring it up. <laughs> Buckle up. So it dates back to the 1800s. Um, so Shell, August Shell uh, set out to the U.S. in 1848, and he ended up landing in uh, New Orleans. He then traveled up the Mississippi River and landed in Cincinnati. Um, in his early years, he was a machinist in that area. Um, during this time there, he met his wife, Teresa, and they decided that Cincinnati wasn't quite home for them. So they decided to head out and they ended up finding New Ulm in 1857. And with his machinist background, he took a job at a local flour mill uh, doing grinding and repairing. Um, while working at the mill, he was searching for that quality German beer that he was used to that he hasn't had in a while and to no prevail. <laughs> he... Uh, met a former brewmaster, partnered up to make a small brewery along the banks of the Cottonwood River, just outside of New Ulm, which is right on our campus. 
Um, so around 1883, after some time um, dealing with some arthritis, August's sons, Adolf and Otto, actually took management and bookkeeping duties over, respectively. Uh, at, the age of 80, uh, at the age of 63, unfortunately, August passed away, leaving his wife, Teresa, the owner of the brewery. But the sons were still running the operations. Uh, Adolf was managing the brewery at the time, um, but at that point, uh, he proved no uh, match for the Minnesota cold, and has moved his family back to California. Uh, <laughs> you know, I hear that because <laughs> we're finally finally feeling like spring here, so I, I get that for sure. Yeah, so yeah, I had to bust out the Hawaiian shirt. It's, it finally felt like it was nice out. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> but that basically left Otto uh, to take the reins as manager of the brewery. Um, he, Otto himself, realized that the playing field was getting a little tougher with more breweries popping up in the New Ulm area. Uh, Shells was producing at that time about 9,000 barrels a year, but with expansion would soon be able to double that. Um, production, uh, obviously taking the risk to do that, Otto modernized and expanded the brewery and upgraded the machinery. Uh, the expansion created the need for more help around the brewery. Um, so Otto actually asked his sister, Emma, and her husband, George Marty, uh, to return to the brewery to help with operations. Uh, that's the time where it basically comes from a shell name to the Marty name where we are now. So there's a lot of uh, people that ask that question. There's the leadership, the family right now is the Marty family, which mm -hmm. was married into the Otto family, so that or the Shells family. So that's where uh, that transition was made. Um, there, but still, obviously, family owned. The sister's name just changed. So I'm, I'm going to stop you here because uh, I had done a whole lot of research on the the breweries of Green Bay. I wrote a book on the the history of brewing here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I, I noticed there was so, sort of a trend where you know it started with one guy, so August Shell, you know August Shell Brewing Company, or whatever the case might be, and then as it passes to wife or new family member, it it seemed like there was a pattern of keeping some sort of a similar like last name shell brewery, but like as it jumped around from shell to Marty or wherever, did it always be shells? Was it always shells brewery or did it kind of switch names here and there too? And then ultimately ended up for the, you know, the history as shells. Yeah. So in 1902, August shell beer brewery, I think that's what it was called, uh, became known the August shell brewing company. So they okay. kept their family namesake uh, and kind of that, the history of August himself. Um, even though Otto had been managing the operations for many years, um, it wasn't until this point that the board directors actually declared Otto Shell as the president and Teresa Shell, the mother, retained ownership of the brewery at this time, um, but was named vice president. And then George Marty was actually named the secretary and treasurer. So that was where that combination of the family really um, grew roots when they transitioned it to an actual corporation itself versus just a beer versus just a brewery to a company right there with the board of directors and all that kind of stuff. So a okay. quick transition right there when it all came to, came to fruition. Mm -hmm. um, kind of fast forward a little bit. Um, we're about 10 years in the future. So in 1911, Otto suddenly died at the age of 49. Um, Otto was actually, and his family were actually very, very um, active members in the community. So the community took this pretty hard. Um, Otto's mother, Teresa, then passed away just four months later. So after Otto's death, uh, George Marty was then appointed president of the operations of the brewery, and then it's remained in that Marty name ever since. So there's that kind of two minutes of transition that you were just asking about. Um, mm -hmm. Then comes 1919 and the implementation of the 18th Amendment, which obviously... Um, 
it's challenging, you know, keeping a brewery up and running when you can't actually legally produce beer. Um, but the brewery began producing near beer, soft drinks, and candy to keep the equipment running in hopes that one day they would actually transition back to um, making beer. So obviously near beer contained less than 0.5% alcohol and was made purely to replicate the taste of the beer that everyone craved, um, as well as our, our root beer right now that we produce. Um, so with 1919 root beer, and nod to that time frame and that use of the equipment um, during that time frame of the brewery itself. So we try to keep a lot of history in our names and what we do. And um, obviously the, the name of the brewery still stands still as the August Shell Brewing Company. So um, there's there's a lot of um, pride in in the family and, and bringing that through, through and through, whether it be our products, the community or anything like that. So that's all, uh, you know, great great corporate history and you know talking about near beer and, and root beer and whatnot but you know prohibition like there's got to be some some fun stuff still happening around shells uh for those those 14 years is, that, is there any uh history there yeah so um i mean you can talk to any local guy around here as grandpa's stories i mean there were tap rooms <laughs> and and you're still being produced off-site um i'm not gonna stay on-site off-site <laughs> um but i mean I there you go time, but, um, <laughs> There was actually, we have Hohenstein Brewing right up the road from us. And there was actually a lower level that they created with a secret knot code and everything that you could come in just to have a beer during that time. So obviously there was um, some moves made in the wow. community for, for stuff like that. But as for shells proper, they transitioned hard into candy root beer and near beer to just make sure that the equipment stayed operational because they did feel that at some point it would reverse. And then obviously if you fast forward to... 1933 and the 21st amendment ratified effectively repealing prohibition yay um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so then actually at the beginning of prohibition there was about 1900 breweries in the united states um at the end of it um, we were one of 600 left so there was a big swing there um shells obviously being one of them um this was really because of the the items they put into making that candy root beer near beer um that because the machines remained operation throughout those years, it made the transition back to brewing much easier. And we were one of the first ones to kind of get off the ball rolling with not having to do maintenance and everything was operational. We had the staff, um, everything was a quick transition for us. So um, there was some very smart business moves made uh, during that, that era. Then we want to start talking about craft beer. So the, obviously we were primarily just kind of German heritage lager. That's kind of our heritage that we go for. So in 1984, Shells was actually one of the first breweries in Minnesota to start producing craft beer. Uh, so we created, a few of them were created in the 80s, but most followed in the 90s. Uh, the craft beer phase officially started and Shells was at the forefront again um, with kind of that forward thinking mentality, um, bringing those German craft lagers to the community. Uh, in 1999, businesses went well and people were enjoying the German craft lagers. Um, but obviously, these were no longer the, the days of 200, 300, 400 barrels of production. So we actually added at that time, 1999, a state-of-the-art brew house that was built into this hillside as an effort to increase capacity and efficiency. So we actually had four stainless steel kettles imported from Germany themselves, itself um, in ode to the strong German tradition, um, as well as to just make sure that we can say through and through we are a German craft, German lager company that uses yes. Um, I know we can, we can get more into this in the future, but uh, 
we'll just kind of skip forward to 2002. So in 2002, we'll get into grain belt here. Um, it was on the brink of extinction with uh, Minnesota Brewing Company it actually filed for uh, bankruptcy. So just a few months after this, the doors were closed and Shell's actually made their biggest purchase to date, uh, the grain belt label. So that was once a strong rivalry was now a friendship and Shell's and grain belt are now proudly represented in the same house. Uh, at this time, that purchase actually made Shell's the largest brewery in Minnesota in the term, in terms of production overnight. Mm -hmm. So if you want to kind of get the 30,000 foot view in five minutes. I think that's the closest I can get to you. Obviously, there's many wormholes and other things we can go down, but uh, the core of who we are and where <laughs> we are from A to, I would say, maybe Q at that point, there's still some stuff we can talk about the future and where totally. we are and, and where we're at as a brewery right now. But um, that's the history of August Shell Brewing Company right there. Well, and so when August, when August Shell came to, you know, he landed in Cincinnati you know, after him and his wife, Teresa, started a family, they moved up to New Ulm. But he didn't, he didn't initially, like, plan to brew beer, right? He, you know, his, his, you know, he's got the strong German heritage, obviously, a lot of, you know, beer and brewing happening in Germany. But he, you know, started working at a flour mill and now, you know, spring forward to how many years later, look at, um, look at what Shell's, Shell's Brewery has done um, and what he started, you know, maybe not even intending to go into the beer industry yeah just because just because he was thirsty and he couldn't find something that he liked so right uh, he made the relationships <laughs> and put his foot down and made it happen so uh it kind of proves you that whatever you want go for it and look at where we are today sure. so interesting you had mentioned that shells is the second oldest still family-owned brewery so what what is the first one yingling yingling oh, of course should have known that damn it beer trivia fail yeah, we have quite a few people that visit. But I was talking to a guy from, uh, I want to say, Arkansas two or three weeks ago. He literally stopped in because we were the last one on the top five oldest family-owned brewery lists that he didn't visit yet. So, oh, that's awesome. Um, we sat around and, and talked beer and enjoyed some beer, and we, it was kind of an off day. So I was able to kind of give him the VIP tour, and I think he walked away pretty happy. I think it was one of the memorable experiences visiting the, yeah, for sure. his top five <laughs> lists. Yeah. <so. laughs> Well, and then, and then you also said uh, when you, when you purchased Grain Belt in 2002, that made Shells the, the the largest brewery in Minnesota at the time. So has something changed over the last 20 years that they are no longer the largest, or have you acquired more, or like where where is the the size competition there? Just for I guess perception perspective. Yeah, we're over 100,000 barrels a year, consistently pushing 120 on on those really good years, um, hoping to grow. Obviously, like everyone else, but. I mean, if we want to kind of talk in terms of size, we can talk about the growler law that just passed in Minnesota. So there was actually six breweries in the state that couldn't sell growlers because of the limit that we had um, for production size. So in Wisconsin, I think it's 300,000 barrels that they can do um, before they can't do any off sale. Uh, Minnesota was 20,000 barrels. So... Wow, that's a big difference. We're well over that. That couldn't do it. And actually, it was signed by Walls, Governor Walls, last week that they're bumping that up to 150,000 barrels. So, in terms of production, if you look at there's 180 some odd breweries in Minnesota, there's only six of us that were over that 20,000 barrel limit. So, you know, we're on the higher side of, of things like that. And we were one of only seven. Yeah. And that, that goes nationwide. So, Minnesota had some of the strictest laws. They're trying to, to really change that. So yeah, we're one of six in Minnesota, which actually is one of six in the whole entire United States. So 
now we're none of we're we're part of the group now. So we kind of feel special about that. That Minnesota <laughs> is realizing that there's a there's a want and a need, and that that tourism around craft brewing is really growing into. Maybe we should change some of these laws that were made during Prohibition. So, for sure, yeah. And you know what? While while we're on Prohibition and and, and weird laws, I just want to point out because you know we're we're over here in Wisconsin. You guys are over there in Minnesota. Minnesota, we've you know sort of established this now that Minnesota's got some weird booze laws. But I want to point out while we were talking about Prohibition, there was it was Minnesota that started Prohibition, and you know who repealed it was a guy from Wisconsin that started the push to to officially repeal it. So, uh. If, I guess you guys should apologize to the listeners and we'll say <laughs> to the listeners if, if we're gonna if we're gonna Don't get technical like there on this conversation. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Pour another round will be right back after we pay our beer tab. Did you know you can get your very own Pour Another Round swag? And it's super easy to purchase from our merch collection. Just head to pouranotherround.com and click on the shop. Pour Another Round t-shirts and hats are available in a variety of colors and sizes to make all your drinking pals jealous. We've also got custom Pour Another Round draft top 3.0s, assorted handmade beer coasters, and Green Bay Beer, A History of the Craft, written by our very own Cameron Teske. We're so proud. Hey, that's me. I can't say enough about these shirts. So soft and comfortable and really just perfect for drinking beer in. And the patch hats look fantastic. Head over to pouranotherround.com to place your order. Orders over $50 receive free shipping with promo code free ship. So you kind of stopped uh, early 2000s here with some of the, the history. So I guess jump into what, what's what's been modernized over the last 20 years other than you know the laws that we just went through but like what what is shells up to nowadays shells was one of the the first with with the the craft beer uh i believe it was a a wheat beer now you got your, your jefes over there so as as you guys have have uh pushed into the the craft beer scene what what's going on now that you know craft beer is that that tourism draw and, and what has shells got going on now I think that's a two-part answer. We try to have our core and as much as we can on that German heritage lager tradition. We really want to present ourselves as a German lager brewery. But obviously, we've gotten into seltzers and cold IPAs, and we've kind of run the gamut of things like that to try to build our portfolio with kind of staying true to who we are to kind of, I would say, bring in that that newer demographic that's looking for those type of things. Mm-hmm. And Johnny can get into some of the fun names and things that we're doing too. But um, yeah, there's there's a fine line we have to play of this is who we are as a core and this is who we are as a history. But there's not that say that we want to chase trends, but there's definitely things that people are gravitating toward. We've never really had a, a big IPA before. Or we've never done seltzers. So some of those things are relatively new for us. And obviously for the industry itself, those are kind of new players that everyone's kind of gravitating for as that craft palette is forever growing for the consumer. But yeah, it's a, it's a fine line of who we are, history, what the family wants to represent, as well as all of us that are just like, hey, we really like this kind of beer. What do you think about we make that? <laughs> and then uh, another innovative practice that we've had recently was the introduction of our pilot tank. Um, and so we have a pilot series. Uh, it's quarterly where we have a new short-term beer go hit the market and um, that generally gets put in six packs in the local area here, and then it's inserted into our uh, some of our seasonal packs too. So right now we've got the uh, the spring sampler that's out there, I believe, with the jasmine rice lager, and that's more of kind of a floral 
uh, type of taste to it, a little herby. And then we've got, uh, what's the one that just came the out? Caribbean the Caribbean lager. Yeah, the Caribbean lager that'll be coming out. So I actually just uh, taps that and your new reference Heffy earlier. So yeah. we got the Caribbean lager and Heffy out in the beer garden for the warm weather people coming up this weekend. So Perfect. we're pretty excited about that. And then did I did I read somewhere on your website that you also launched a, a sour program? Yeah, so as we noted before, kind of in my introduction, we have a sour facility on the other side of town. So that's Oh, that's the one over there. So okay. That's our star keller. So we do we have a noble series over there. Um so that's our sour facility. Um everything is um fermented in cypress tanks for one and a half to three years. So it's a quite a process. Uh, we're one of the few, if not one of the only, that do it the way that we do it. There's a lot of kettle sours and things like that, but we are a true, true sour facility uh, on that side of town. So it's kind of fun to have a bookend on each side of town where you can kind of visit shells. You can still visit shells on the other side of town, but in a completely different experience, a completely different palette, and then really a completely different vibe over there too. It's it's set up kind of like a almost like a speakeasy type of feel. It's dark, dim lit, and you're sitting right in the room with the tanks, and you get all that sour smell um, coming right at you, and you walk through the door. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, ten cypress tanks in there, and then it's got kind of a vintage vibe in there too because you have some. Uh, it's on a previous farm site, and so. You have some of the elements from the barn that are on the walls and uh, some different tools from the barn that are on the walls. So it's pretty cool. It's a nice little experience over there. So you come to the Shells uh, Visitor Center over here during the day and then drive to the other part of town and you can go have a sour out there. And even if you want to play a round of golf on our simulator out there, you can do that too. So it's kind of a nice little experience to have uh, both of those options available for visitors. And and are those? I know you you just said the the name of it, and I already don't remember exactly. What we said the star or something. Star Keller. So so is that is that like the name of the sour beers, or are you still brewing those under the shells name, or have you sort of created an off offshoot brand? Yeah, so it's its own it's its own thing. So it still falls underneath our umbrella, same like almost Grain Belt does. Um, yeah. You know, it's we're all one big family. But Star Keller is its own facility, its own brand. It's got its own TTB stuff that we have to deal with. Uh, of course, it's, it's its own beast out there. So yeah, we've it's called Star Keller, and we kind of play off that name. We have uh, some really cool names like uh, Static Transmission and uh, Adaptive, Adaptive Matter. It's kind of that space theming name yeah. to it, and kind of plays that light and dark theme with those like spacey yellows, oranges, purples. We really play off of the those those different colors with it being such a unique experience to New Ulm. We wanted to kind of have something a little creative on those lines. Yeah, and I think that goes back to you know what you were talking about, having to be able to walk walk that fine line of the the classic, what what Shells is known for, that German beer, but then being able to do what craft beer is is doing right now. And that's not necessarily chasing trends, but still giving people something unique and different to, to be able to draw them in with something new, something unique that they can go for the traditional, but then they can also go for the funky. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, that was kind of the brainchild of one of the Marty boys. And you know, I think if we would have released a sour on the shells brand, everyone would have looked at us and been like, you guys lost your mind. Like what are you doing? So uh, for it to be, it's kind of its own beat. I think it, it makes a lot more sense for us, but still can you know bring it here and people can enjoy it on each campus. So as we start to talk about some of your different different beers and the different beers underneath the umbrella of shells, let's talk about what everyone's drinking here. So I mentioned uh, as we jumped on the call, I'm drinking a grain belt and uh, 
I I can remember, you know, growing up, Grain Belt was my my grandpa's go to beer. He drank Grain Belt all the time, so I've I've known Grain Belt a long, long time. Um, but what are you guys drinking uh, over there? Yeah, we have a pretty good selection here of that new craziness that we're trying to get a part of, and then some <laughs> of that who we are as a brewery. So I didn't go first. Sure, I've got the No Frills Pills here. So it's our new Pilsner that came out a few months ago. And uh, yeah, it's just got a nice dry finish to it and kind of an easy drinking pills. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. With, no with all the crazy stuff people yeah. are throwing in beers, we went right back to the roots and said, this is what you're getting. This Love is the it. name. And you know exactly what you're going to get. No, no frills pills. Pills German style pills for sure. Yep. Uh, and then on my side, this is one of the, we're going a little funky here. So this is our Fresh Prince, P-R-I-N-T-S. <laughs> Love it. Um, this is a cold IPA. Uh, so this is kind of that that easy drinking sessionable IPA, but it's still it's six point five percent. I would say sessionable on the taste side. Um, it's kind of light on the tongue, gives you a little bit of that hop kick on the front side, but it doesn't have that lingering hop presence on the back. So I think obviously six point five percent for summer is a little high, but on the taste side, you could have two or three of these and not kind of burn your tongue on that. So, you know, like some of those big heavy IPAs that have uh, tons of hops thrown right in there in your face. So. And, and no brewer was slapped in the making of Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it was, that was uh, terrible. I'm sorry. I, I don't even know. We're releasing this beer. How far down the road do we want to go? Uh, do we really want to push it with what, the, what just happened uh, out in the in the world? So we've had, we have a lot of discussions of, yeah. of what we should or shouldn't do. So. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, it's all it's all fun and games, I suppose, yeah. right? Beer. <laughs> so i uh, i was I was uh, traveling last week, and I flew through the Minneapolis airport. I walk up to the uh, the, the Twins bar that's in the Minneapolis airport, and and sit down. And she like immediately is like, "Hey, what do you want?" And before I even sit down, I uh, I audibly ordered a, a local twin or a Twin Cities IPA. And I looked to the left and I was like, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to get uh, hams. Went hams. She gave me shit for that for a while. And then my second round, I went with, I went with grain belt. So it was, uh, it was definitely drinking some of those, uh, those historic beers were, were my, my theme for the night. And uh, I, I love grain belt as well. So that's, I'd say it's definitely a, a, a great historic beer for sure. Yeah, I think that's one of our, our favorite accounts that we have, um, at least for me personally. I mean, you get people from all over the world coming through the airport and for us to have a line up there and you know, you got a layover, or you're looking for something local just to not have to even leave the airport and have that option to experience the local flavor. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, that's a huge marketing thing for us. I mean, we get we get visitors from all around the world on our campus um, looking for what we're doing. So if you're just passing through and you can stumble upon shells while you're just on the airport, uh, that's, that's huge for us. Under, you know, of, of all of the shells beers that you guys have, are there certain ones that are, you know, some of your more popular beers or ones that you're, whether it's, you know, out in distribution or serving a lot of through your tap room, what are some of those more popular ones or more recognizable uh, beers under the shell label that, that people, you know, have, have likely had? Yeah, so for me, when most people come into the visitor center or our tap room, they ask for, you know, what what will get me to know shells in one beer? Um, we always go to the original. So uh, we have our Deer Brand series. That's one of the original recipes that we have carried through. And obviously, there's been some tweaks here and there with, you know, the ingredients that we can get. But true and true, that's the same recipe um, that we've had for 
decades. So if you want a good flavor profile of who Shells is right off the bat, we always recommend a deer brand. It's a lighter flavored, but it's a little more of a multi heavier. It's kind of a, not quite an amber, not quite a lager. It's, it's kind of rides that fine line of color, but crisp flavor, a little heavier, but still tastes light on the backside. So um, that's a really good one that most people, if they walk in and say, who Shells, give a sample of that. And then that kind of opens a conversation uh, of kind of what's going on. And Johnny can kind of get into like our seasonals and things like that, that we do. Yeah, definitely. So right now, um, what we showed you, these are year round ones, the no frills and fresh prints. And those are actually our second and third most popular beers right now on untapped. So they're getting a lot of love for these new releases. So people are really digging them. And our actually our top rated one is Sangria. And that is an extended seasonal that we have. That's kind of like a summer beer and a little fruitier and um, yeah, it's just a real nice, easy sipper on a hot summer day. So that's been a really popular one too. But then obviously you, you bookend, I mean, with us being our German heritage, we have festivals on campus. We have a Bach fest that we do every year in the fall. We do a giant Oktoberfest uh, and we have a Bach beer and Oktoberfest beer that go along with those. So a lot of people know us from those, um, from the festivals, they come and get, a nice big mug of Oktoberfest beer and taking the ambiance. And there's a couple thousand people running around our campus in Lederhosen. It's a, it's a sight to see. And then, uh, you know, Bachfest equally uh, that comes back around in March every year. So we, uh, we have fires and have a big old party in the, it could be 40 degrees. It could be negative 40, but they still show up and have fun. And uh, we have fires rolling and what we do, we, we do a lot of uh, Bach poking, so we, uh, you know, if anyone's never done that before, so it's, we have fires rolling to A, keep warm because it's usually freezing cold, but then uh, you'll fill up your Bach beer and you'll take it to a fire and they are warming big prods. They'll come in and stick it in your beer and they'll caramelize that, that beer and warm it just a little bit and caramelize that sugar and kind of gives it a little bit of a different flavor. So a lot of people like to get their, their Bach poked when they're here and it's a, it's a big deal, lots of social media traction and uh, pictures of that and uh, hashtags. There's there's some interesting things that we see come out of that um, itself, and just the the cold weather brings out a lot of characteristics of people of crazy outfits and to underdress to overdress. To, uh, it's it's quite the experience. Well, speaking of sticking things in your beer, so I have uh, quite a few friends who went to college in New Ulm. What is the story with putting a pickle spear in the the shell's light? Is that is that like a thing? Was that an August shell thing? Is that just like some random bars that do that? What's what's the new Alm story with pickles and beer? I don't know. That one. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I might just be a, a local thing. I mean, I, I we go out quite a bit. I don't think I've seen a pickle in a beer anytime lately. So, oh, they uh, they went to Martin Luther College. If you're familiar at all where that is, and I don't know what I don't know what the kids there uh, what bar they hang out at, but yeah, it. I just texted my friend this morning, like, okay, tell me about this pickle thing. He's like, I don't know where it started. Ask them. So who knows? Must be just a local bar that does that. Could be. Yeah. I know a lot of people in town like topping off their beer with fire or their uh, Bloody Mary with fire bricks. So there's a couple bars in town that do that. So that's a pretty tasty uh, local combination that was concocted here. So, yeah. All right. Well, pickles and beer uh, is not a good combination in my opinion. And I was hoping that there was like a cool historical story that made it worth it. But that's even worse that some guy just randomly made it up in some dive bar in in Minnesota. We can can reach out to the family after this. And if there is a a fun story, we'll send it your way. But uh, so nothing that I've learned so far about a pickle and a beer. So. All right. Well, then don't don't try it. It's not. uh. (laughs) 
the owner Michael. What do you what do you want to put pickle in a beer? What are you talking about? <laughs> right. So uh, kind of getting back into the the history of shells, you mentioned that there's six generations uh, from you know August Shell, and now now where are we at now, and who's kind of at the the helm of Shells Brewery? So it's been an interesting couple of years here. So right now, <laughs> for, for everyone, for many reasons, I suppose. There's various reasons. So uh, Ted Marty is at the, the helm right now. He has three sons uh, that are all involved in one way or another with the brewery, whether it be ownership or operations or things like that. One of his sons, Kyle, was set to take over. He's actually got deployed. He's in Africa right now. So he's coming back at some point here. I think he's Somewhere in Europe right now, he's slowly working his way back. We're hoping to see him here wow. soon. But uh, Ted and Jody, they were a foot and a half out the door, and then deployment came down the, the reins, and they got thrown back into the, the helm of the running the brewery. So there's been some management shifts and things to help um, kind of supplement that with, you know, Ted and Jody are, are trying to retire at some point here. They've It's a labor of love, but they're ready to uh, get out and enjoy their their time that is well-deserved um, and then have the boys kind of step up with Kyle kind of being the the president of the brewery. But um, with him being in the military, it's a very military-heavy family. Um, um, we've all respected and stepped up uh, to cover while he's gone. So um, we've kind of treaded the water through COVID and presidential management duties and uh, now there's going to be another transition while he's I think he's going to be back for good full time so there's going to be another learning curve that we're going to have to go through here again with uh, how he wants the vision and how we're going to kind of proceed for the next 160 years and set that. So is is Ted the the guy running it now is he sixth generation or is he the fifth and then the the kids will be sixth he's five okay so he's so five so the, the kids coming in are, are the sixth okay uh, and then you you obviously talked about your visitor center. You've talked about the the sours on the other side of town, and you've mentioned the the shells campus and and all there is to do now. But as people come to the shells campus and they want a brewery tour, are you guys back to doing brewery tours uh, this side of COVID? And talk about what what would someone expect when they come in for a, a brewery tour? Do they get to see some of those historic buildings, or have have some of those are those not in existence anymore? What what would what would you expect as you walked up there for a brewery tour? Shells has ever evolved. I don't think they've taken down too many buildings. They've retrofitted, added, um, you know, if you can walk right through our campus and see the the Shells mansion that they built to, to live in here on campus. It's not occupied at the moment, but it's just that historic architecture. It was actually built for $5,000 back in the day. And it's a, <laughs> it is a brick foundation that is nowhere near $5,000 anymore. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if you walk onto campus, we starting um, technically today, we're going to be running tours. We, we're into our summer hours, so we're going to run tours seven days a week. Uh, so you can roll onto campus and uh, sign up for a tour. We take groups of 30 to 40 people around. So it starts in our museum. So it kind of goes through the generations of the who, what, when, and why of you know who did what for which, which part of the brewery and who was president at that time. So that's about probably 20, 25 minutes of the tour of really getting to know who Shells is and that backstory. Uh, and then we actually step outside and take you through a, a non-hard hat tour of the brewery. So we can take you where we can uh, with all the regulations of safety. And, you know, obviously we want to make sure that we can get as much of the brewery shown as we can. But there's a, there's a lot of spaces that we're, 
the old brew kettle and things are where maybe we retired that, but the copper kettle still stays. So you can get a really good feel of that location and how it was used in the past and kind of where we are now. Um, obviously, there's parts of the plant where it's it's a fully functioning brewery. We can't really get you too far into the, the guts of it, but it's uh, probably about another 15 minutes on that side. Um, to kind of see, you know, you see the production, old production areas, the old brewing areas. Right now, the, the updated bottling and canning lines. You can kind of get a really good feel of where things are. Uh, and then we end it downstairs. We have our lower tap room. It's uh, molded as a German rass keller. So it's a really cool architecture, really cool ceilings. Uh, and we do samplings down there. So we give five or six samples of our current beers, our popular beers, and then some of our releases that are seasonal down there and kind of wrap up with a, well, you met us. This is who we are. You saw who we are. Now, why don't you find out who we are and really get your flavor profile and see uh, what you like. And then that's for about like another 15, 20 minutes. And then you can head upstairs uh, to the brand new beer hall that we just added. And we have a 20 tap line tree on there with a really good selection of anywhere from our star color to our grain belt, to our shells brand, um, to really, really dig into what you might like from from what we have on production side. Fantastic. And other than on campus in those twenty tap lines, and you know throughout the the New Elm area, where can people find whether it's Grain Belt? Is Grain Belt a national beer, or is Shell, where, where is Shells and Grain Belt able to be found? Yeah, our sales area, uh, the distribution area is Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa both of the Dakotas and Nebraska. So you can actually go on our website too. And we have a Grain Belt website and a Shells website. They're connected though inside there. You can get to the other one. But um, we have a beer locator on there where you can type in a zip code for one of those states or just type in the city. And then you can find out the uh, establishment or the liquor store where those beers are located. And you can narrow it down to the type of beer you're looking for too. So it's a pretty useful tool. Um, so I have a, a a quick story regarding Grain Belt. Cameron and I's first time actually spending time together and and hanging out, and I suppose the beginning of our friendship uh-huh. um, was at a work was at a work conference up in Minneapolis, and we were drinking Grain Belts um, at the at the uh, at last evening, I guess, of that conference. And so Grain Belt ha- helped uh, helped kick off our friendship and really um, led to pour another round existing. Awesome. So, well, it yeah. is the friendly beer. So I think we're holding <laughs> true to our roots. I didn't remember that it was Grain Belt, but that, that makes it even better now that it's the friendly beer. All I remember is uh, the, the local, when you order a shot of Jameson, it actually comes in like a full rocks glass size shot glass. So it's, it's uh, that's, <laughs> that's how our friendship evening ended was that and apparently Grain Belt. So yeah, I like that. Started with Grain Belt, a friendly Grain Belt, and then uh, ended with Jameson. Right. Also, uh, Johnny and Kurt, I know we've already talked about what you're currently drinking, but did you pick those because those are your favorite? Or if if you were asked, okay, what should I drink when I go to the Shell's tap room? What would be your response to, obviously, Grain Belt is like the key, or like the big one, Shell's Light to see Shell's. Like, what else is there, though, that you would really recommend? I think Deer Brand or No Frills is what I'd recommend to most people. I mean, like Kurt was saying, Deer Brand has just been a staple with that recipe uh, not changing for so long here within the brewery. And then uh, No Frills, it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just a real nice German-style taste in Pilsner. So, I mean, um, if someone's looking for a good Pils and it's something simple, No Frills is it. So, yeah, I'd recommend that to anybody. 
And me, it's interesting coming to a German heritage brewery because I'm a big IPA guy. So we have from our Star Keller, we have our Moon Drift. Uh, it's a big hazy IPA. And then we have our Fresh Prince. We do have an IPA that we have uh, seasonally. But if I'm not in the mood for something uh, big hoppy like this, I I tend to go for kind of a, a lighter beer. So a good option right now. We have our Grain Belt Elite. Um, it's a locale option for uh, the Grain Belt drinkers, uh, I know there's a, a big traction, a big push for that healthy style beer. Um, but if I'm going to be kind of working by on the bar and got to pace myself, I, I go for a little bit of the, the lighter stuff to kind of get me through the day to cleanse my palate before I uh, kind of jump in at the end of the day, these big IPAs to, to kind of get things going. So. And summer summer's coming up, so you got to get a drink the beer to get your beach bod ready too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this three-year <laughs> COVID body, yep. Right. <laughs> Well, uh, a question that we always ask uh, guests on Porn of the Round, uh, we're going to take you away from your own beer, so no shells. Like, How do you just kind of get away, shut off from work, and, and what would we find you enjoying, You know, whether it's on a beach or just to, to completely step away from work? And I know you guys are new to the beer industry, so what were you drinking to forget about city work before, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm a big cigar guy. So, oh, nice. Uh, uh, I got a pretty good collection of some whiskeys and bourbons or bourbon whiskeys or something like that. So throw a big ice cube on there, um, big pour, and then find the right cigar that matches with whatever you're doing. Uh, I think it's better than a wine and cheese or however you want to pair whatever you're drinking. I think a good cigar and a good whiskey or scotch or bourbon, uh, that's a, a knockout one-two combo. So that's kind of my vice. I'm not a big smoker or anything of that means, but man, a, a good cigar with the right drink, there's nothing that beats that next to a campfire on a, a late night. So that's that's what I was. Uh, that's where I usually tend to go. There you go. I think that that's been our uh, our most unique answer. We don't we haven't we haven't gotten cigars yet on here. <laughs> and then uh, I'd say for myself too, I'm kind of a whiskey guy too. So either bourbon or like uh, uh, Jack or something I would like to. So stuff like that. Otherwise, uh, any type of local craft brewery too um, or a microbrewery, kind of supporting those uh, up in the Twin Cities area when I lived there. That was always something I always enjoyed doing too. So just kind of going from microbrewery to microbrewery. And it's fun too. Instead of here, we've we've finally it's been a slow transition. It hasn't been as big as the cities, but we're starting to close in with these smaller town breweries and things like that. So there's a pretty good circle around us where we can visit and and try some new stuff and get a feel for what the other surrounding communities are doing at the same point too. So for a while, it was I think it was like Mankato and Shells were holding down Southern Minnesota, and uh, now all of a sudden, you know, you go to 12 miles north, south, east, or west, you'll run into a local brewery. So it's, it's been fun to watch the growth around us too, not just in the, the metro area. Well, and I guess speaking of that, uh, you know, Shells has obviously been around for a very long time in, in the New Elm community. So how does, how does Shells really embrace and embody really being a foundation to the New Elm community from not just a beer perspective, but literally just a community yeah, perspective? We're involved in a lot. So we try to keep our fingers on the pulse of what is new Walm. Um, they've supported us and got us through a lot of tough times. I mean, I don't think if it wasn't for the city of new Walm, that German heritage, that new Walm really kind of holds onto and their beer drinking ability. I think there was a few times that this, this brewery might not have made it, um, but they've supported and lifted us up and, and knew that we were, that we were important to keep in town. And, and one of those key features that really turns new Walm into new Walm. 
Um, you know, there's, there was one time that we were cutting down trees at one point to pay the bill, the bills in the early, the early 1900s. Like it, there was, there was some times that, you know, just like any other company, it ebbs and flows. Um, but New Alm has always been there for us. And as a thank you, we do these big festivals and we try to drive a lot of traffic and tourism through the town. Uh, we, our hours are reflective of that. We're only open during the winters, like noon to five. So we're not open late at night. We try to push people out for dinner to, to visit local establishments and, and try the flair that is New Ulm. Um, even our summer, we're only open until eight. We're not uh, 9, 10, 11, or 12. Uh, we, we really want the support of the community and we want us to see us as a partnership versus, uh, you know, we're, we're the place that's taking all of the, the tourism dollars or visitors or things like that. We want, we want to share it just as equally as, as we can participate in it. We also have a portion of some of our proceeds that go to uh, different organizations. Uh, for example, we've got a Firebrick for Firefighters program going on in 2022, and we're donating up to $20,000 of our proceeds from Firebrick to uh, the different Minnesota uh, firefighter nonprofits. So stuff that's helping them with mental health and getting cancer screenings. So that's something that's been important to the family too, is just those people in service, like Kurt was talking about the military, but also just uh, service uh, such as police department or fire department. So, um, and then we also have a uh, pints and pot coming up this summer. So that's something Kurt has going on here where uh, it's Wednesday nights from six to eight o'clock and we're going to have musical acts uh, and food trucks that are coming here. And that's just in June on Wednesday nights. So but The family and pet friendly, you can yeah. bring your, bring your pets down and enjoy the, the festivities and, and enjoy the grounds. And um, you know, it's, we really try to get a lot of different things rolling on campus. To, and again, with that, a, a portion of the proceeds is going back to local and regional shelters. Um, so really try to have our pulse on, you know, what people are seeing as important as well as what we as a company feel are important. And it, it tends to be a lot of family service and pets are kind of one of the, the three big hitters that uh, are, are near and dear to the family. So it's really fun for us because we have families come out to like to the beer garden right now outside. There's um, kids out there going to look at the peacocks that are roaming the grounds. And then we've got a deer sanctuary. So they're checking that out too. So it's really a family experience because you can get the kids 19, 19 root beer and then you can have a beer or two here and just sit outside and enjoy the weather. And we've got polka music playing out there right now. So uh, yeah, it's just a good time for the whole family. Awesome. Well, Kurt and Johnny, thanks so much for joining us here on Pour Another Round today. Um, before we do go, why don't you give us a, another plug for the couple of podcasts that you guys are starting that are getting off the ground? Sure. Yeah. It's uh, Show Me More is going to be our Shells podcast. And then uh, the Big Friendly podcast is the Green Belt one. So those will be coming out here, uh, like I said, within the next week. Um, and then just go look wherever you uh, listen to podcasts and you'll find them there. Awesome. And then after you listen to both of those, then you can pop over and listen to the the, the new episode of Pour Another Round. <laughs> so um, thanks so much for, for being here with us today, for all of our listeners. Thanks so much for having us, guys. For all of our listeners, head to Shells in New Ulm, Minnesota, or find Grain Belt or Shells Brewery um, beers around, you know, really around the greater Midwest. And when you're at the tap room or cracking open a Grain Belt at home like I'm doing today, be sure to pour another round for us while you're at it. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pour Another Round. 
Be sure to follow us on your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at Pour Another Round. We'll be sharing news and information from breweries who are friends of the show. You can also find out what we're drinking and hear about upcoming featured breweries as well. Until next time, be sure to pour yourself another round. <laughs>